Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us have certainly encountered an, an uncomfortable moment when someone expected us or, or asked us to do something that we weren't comfortable doing. Perhaps we thought that we were, we were above doing that or beyond it or that we were not ready for it or not capable of doing it. And so perhaps fearing failure or embarrassment or, or being humiliated, we might have replied, oh, I, I can't do that. We might even become angry or defensive or bewildered at being asked to do something like that. Well, think about the situation that John the Baptist was in in our gospel reading today. We can understand why John would be surprised and, and certainly a bit taken aback by Jesus' request that John baptize Jesus. With everything that we know about Jesus, that he is the sinless Son of God, he is the eternal, all-powerful God himself. And since we know that John, like every other person, was a sinful human being, it would make sense to us, if, if we were to arrange how that interaction would go, that Jesus would be the one to baptize John, to validate John and, and John's ministry of, of baptizing people and calling them to repentance and preparing the way for Jesus. And that Jesus wouldn't need to be baptized at all. However, Jesus came into this world in order to take our place, to be our substitute. Although Jesus was unlike us, in that we are sinful and, and he is not, he was like us in every other way and he perfectly submitted himself to God's will. Jesus also willingly took upon himself all of our sin and guilt. Our sin and guilt that would have resulted in an eternity of separation from God's love and care if it had remained upon us. Jesus suffered the punishment on the cross that he did not deserve so that we would be spared the punishment that we deserved for all of our sins. That is love. Think about the, the public pool that's closest to your home. Certainly those, those pools are tested regularly for cleanliness. There is a certain amount of bacteria that is allowed to be in the water when, after they do a culture in the Petri dish. But... If the test results come back with a, with a rating of TNTC, the pool will be closed. TNTC, too numerous to count. All people are sinful. All people are guilty of doing or saying or thinking wrong things and failing to do or say or think the right things that God wants us to. All people have sins that are TNTC too numerous to count. And everyone senses this. They, they know this deep down about themselves to some degree, but, but by nature we don't know what to do about that problem of our sins that are too numerous to count. And so what we resort to doing is to trying to justify ourselves, to justify those sinful actions that we commit. We do that to others, to each other, make justifications or excuses for our sins, and we also even try to do it to God. In any home, classroom, office, or workshop, 
self-justifications can always be heard. How many commandments of God are abused or overlooked in this way because of our self-justifications for our sinful actions? We don't have to look very far in, in any neighborhood or home or workplace to find concrete effects of sin, negative effects. As the Apostle Paul said, we feel the effects of sin in ourselves every day. Even people who seem to us to have very high ideals, if they are honest with themselves, at the end of the day they have to say, I I know what is right, but still I did or said or thought what is wrong. Greed and self-interest, self-centeredness so often overcome our goodness and ideals with speed and skill. And the victims of those sins and selfishness are often the helpless, unborn, the young, or the aged. Because of sin, people so often act as if they are the only ones who count. Other people only matter insofar as they are of benefit to me personally. What a world we have made that God still loves and gave his son to save. The good news is that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in God's amazing love, he applied to his own son, his beloved son, Jesus, all the stench and the filth of all the sins of all people in the world. At the Jordan River, when Jesus was baptized by John, God said to Jesus, You are my son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. And in our own baptisms, God says to each of us, You are my own dear son. You are my own dear daughter. Because of Jesus, I am well pleased with you. The writer of the first hymn that we sang today said it this way. Baptized into your name, most holy, O Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I claim a place, though weak and lowly, among your saints, your chosen host. Buried with Christ and dead to sin, your spirit now shall live within. And in our second lesson today from God's Word, the Apostle Paul says in Titus chapter 3, that God saved us, not by righteous works that we did ourselves, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs in keeping with the hope of eternal life. It's always tragic when a parent unexpectedly loses a child, whether to an accident or to an illness. But Christian parents have the wonderful comfort of knowing that through baptism, God has claimed their children as his own. And so that child who has died is at God's side in heaven, where God promises that he wipes away every tear from their eyes and there is no more suffering or sadness or pain. Our baptism identifies us as people who have been called by God to be his own people, 
people who have been invited by God to serve him in response to his gracious salvation. There's no need for us to justify ourselves to God. That's simply a no-win proposition. Rather, God gave us his own son, Jesus, to make atonement for our sins. In baptism, God gives us the water of his word. God's gifts of mercy and grace are shared with, with a waiting world through that common element of water, but connected with the miraculous power of his life-giving word. This free gift of life from God is for all people. God the Father did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Yet, we have to overcome our fears and our prejudices in order to share this good news of God with people who are strangers to us, who might be somewhat different from us. God wants to have a growing family. He's given us lots of water to use, and his forgiveness is bountiful. His word has no end. Baptism is a gift that we are not ashamed of. Because of our tradition sometimes, or perhaps sometimes some spiritual laziness, some people tend to look on baptism as, as kind of a preventative magic or almost like a good luck charm, which they dutifully apply to a child, but then so often they soon forget. Infant baptism is like bringing a child home from an adoption agency. In that new family, much love and guidance and care are needed right from the beginning. Baptism is also a beginning. God adopts us into his family, a family where he gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation. And as God's representatives, parents, are given a big job of patiently and daily watching over the spiritual growth as well as the physical and mental and emotional growth of their child, their child who is also God's child through baptism. Blessed is the child who, through baptism and, and discipleship, being trained in God's word, knows that he or she has a heavenly father and a savior and a spirit who forgives us and who gives us eternal life. That should be the most important thing for parents as they raise their children, more important than academics and athletics. Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation. He was born for us. He was baptized for us. He was crucified for us. And he rose from the dead for us. He cares for each one of us. In the large catechism, Martin Luther said about baptism, Baptism remains forever. Even though we fall from it and sin, nevertheless we always have access to it so that we may again subdue the sinful nature. But we do not need to have water poured over us again. Even if we were immersed in water a hundred times, it would nevertheless be only one baptism. Repentance, therefore, is nothing else than a return and approach to baptism, to resume and to practice what had earlier begun but abandoned. Every day the Christian should be found in faith and amid fruits of faith. Every day he should be suppressing the old man and growing up in the new. If we wish to be Christians, we must practice the work which makes us Christians. As we have once obtained the forgiveness of sins in baptism, 
so forgiveness remains day by day as long as we live. That is, as long as we carry the old Adam around our necks. A common belief is that by gaining power and wealth, a person has the, the blessings of not having to be with people he does not want to be with or not having to do things that he doesn't want to do. Those blessings are often used as incentives in many types of employment, whether, whether spoken or unspoken. People work hard to earn money and to get promotions so that they can eventually do jobs that are less physically demanding or, or that are, are less emotionally taxing. Our Savior, however, has different motives. He came to serve. He came to seek and to save the lost. As his baptized people, we are called away from the attitude of how little can I get away with to ask what else can I do for the sake of God and for the sake of God's kingdom. God, in his love and mercy, applies the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus, to me. How do I know that for sure? Because I was baptized and I was given the promises of eternal life. And I continue to receive those promises in the Lord's Supper. Each day, I am still myself with all the good and all the bad that that implies. But each day, I am also a son or a daughter of God by grace through faith in Jesus as my Savior. Each day I fail my Heavenly Father in my thoughts, words, and actions, yet he still loves me. Our baptism directs us to the heavenly homecoming that God will bring about on the last day or, or on our own personal last days, when God will welcome us to his side in heaven, when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. God came into our world through Jesus so that we could see his love made manifest to us. Baptism is the gift of a loving God. Amen.